0: You hate. Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Well, from snow at the beginning of May to a heat wave at the end, the roller coaster that is 2020 just keeps on bringing us some new twists and turns. Thankfully, we have caught a bit of a reprieve this weekend, and although the heat's been turned down outside, The one place we always want to heat things up is in the bedroom. So I'm joined by Dr. Jess O'Reilly, a sex and relationship expert who helps us get in touch with our core erotic feeling so we can have a more meaningful connection with our partner. Hubba hubba. The lovely Francine Dick from askfrancine.ca is back to share what we need to do to get our paperwork in order while we remain under strict stay at home orders no time like the present to get it all done. The sunny weather outside means Canadians are heading outdoors en masse to escape quarantine and soak up the happy vibes, but we're checking in with Dr. Julia Carroll today to make sure we're protecting our skin while we play outdoors. My Anne on Demand, Anne Brody, is back with another Saturday Night at the Movies and some incredible shows we can't miss, including a fantastic series on Apple TV+. Plus. Finally, I don't know a single soul who's not growing a garden this summer, It seems we're all looking to create a connection with Mother Earth, so Shenny Creamer is joining me to share how we can create a green space no matter how much space we have to live in. Thanks for joining me this week. Let's jump into what she said right now on 105.9 The Region.
1: Ciao, it's Rob on the road, and this week's care package takes us back to the basics. Well, the Italian pantry basics, that is. Grande Cheese and 105.9 in the region is pleased to provide all you need to feel or eat Italian in one tidy care package. We're talking pasta, capers, olives, canned whole Italian tomatoes, Parmigiana cheese, mozzarella cheese, olive oil, balsamic vinegar, coffee, biscotti, Italian cake. Man, I'm starving. So if you could use a little pick-me-up with a wonderful traditional Italian feast, this week's care package from 105.9 The Regent, and Grande Cheese is for you. To enter, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Tag a friend, and you are eligible for delivery of a basket of Italian staples from Grande Cheese. Contest closes June 4th. Buon appetito!
2: Thankful for the
1: blessings that are falling on my table, learning all my lessons. Now I'm willing and I'm able to do just what I can. As humble as I am, working towards
0: a bowl and we give thanks for helping her. Time to liven up the conversation here a little on what she said and move away from non-stop COVID chat and get to the things that really matter most to us, like sex. Joining me now is Jess O'Reilly, a sex and relationship expert with a background in education. Her research and passion involves teacher training and sexual health, and she volunteers in schools and universities to help bring better sex and relationship education to students across Ontario. Jess is also a television personality, author, podcast host with Sex with Dr. Jess, and international speaker who has facilitated hundreds of corporate workshops and retreats in 35 countries from Lebanon to Costa Rica. Welcome to the show, Jess.
2: Thank you, happy to be here.
0: So I think the first thing I have to
2: ask is what led you down this particular career path? Oh, it was a total accident. You know, uh, growing up, I wanted to be a clown at birthday parties who made those balloons. And then as I got a little older, I assumed I'd go into law. And I ended up teaching high school, uh, you know, as soon as I graduated in the Toronto District School Board. And I was teaching at an alternative school. So our students were 16 to 20 years old and they were coming to me every day with issues related to sex and relationships, so unplanned pregnancy, unhealthy relationships, abusive dynamics, uh, STIs, not knowing where to go for testing. And so I really just saw that there was this gap in the system. Uh, we as teachers did not have the supports we needed, right? So obviously, I mean, you can imagine you wouldn't teach math or English or history or geography without books, without a textbook, without a you know exercises for the students com- to complete with those types of supports. And we have nothing. So you know, teachers are kind of thrown to the wolves to speak about this very challenging, but also very divisive topic uh, with no support. So I went back to do research to support teachers. And so brief interventions, we call them basically trainings for teachers at the pre-service level, because at the time, only 15.5% of teacher education programs across Canada offered compulsory sexual health education, which, you know, so we're missing the bulk of our teachers. So that that's how I fell into it. I didn't even know the word sexology was a word. <laughs> when I started studying, I really thought I would just be working in classrooms. And, and of course, that's not what I do now. I primarily work, uh, I'm a speaker. So I, I primarily work with either executives and entrepreneurs and their partners who want to invest in their relationships just as they invest in every other realm of their lives. Okay, excellent. So you
0: talk about uh, figuring out a core erotic feeling. So
2: can you explain to me what you mean by that? Sure. Yeah. So this is from I have a new book called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And I just want to shout out my co-author so I don't take it all for myself. Mm-hmm. I have a co-author named Marla Renee Stewart. And in this book, we we explore a lot of erotic theories. So the core erotic feeling I define as the emotion that you absolutely must experience in order to potentially have sex. So without this feeling, sex is off the table and it differs from person to person. So if you think of it like the five love languages, but, broader and more nuanced. You may need to feel relaxed. I may need to feel powerful. Another person might need to feel confident. Somebody might need to feel desired or sexy or safe or respected or uh, you know, uh, appreciated or dominant or submissive. There are different feelings that really different people require. And so this doesn't mean that anytime I feel that feeling that I'll be in the mood for sex. But in the absence of that feeling, sex is off the table. Okay. So that
0: requires, I, I would ima- imagine, a far bit of retrospect, you know, introspection about what you need. So once you establish that,
2: though, then you want people to move on to an elevated feeling. Is that correct? Yeah. So you have to do some consideration to figure out your core erotic feeling. And then, uh, you know, once you've figured out what it is, you can make the lifestyle, behavioral, attitudinal, relational adjustments so that you can experience more of that feeling. And you can also help ask your partner to help you feel that feeling. But ultimately, we are responsible for our own feelings. And so once you've figured out that core erotic feeling, uh, you may have it you know taken care of. So I look at my marriage. If, if my core erotic feeling was feeling loved, the truth is I, I feel so loved in my relationship all the time. I know that this man adores and loves and, and totally has my back. And that's not you know necessarily going to put me in the mood for sex that doesn't necessarily make sex really exciting it makes it possible but once you can address your core erotic feeling then you can address the elevated erotic feelings that take sex to the next level and that's when you can start exploring Experiences in sex that might be a little subversive, that might contradict your day-to-day persona. So you, you know, my core erotic feeling may be that I need to feel really loved, but I also might find that it's really hot and really exciting and exhilarating to feel. A little bit of risk or a little bit of, you know, for me, for instance, I like a little bit of feeling inadequate because in in the real relationship, I feel so taken care of and so loved and so honored that it's fun to play with those subversive emotions. Uh, and so, you know, everybody again, everybody's different. If you look at kinky people, some kinky people can be turned on by feeling a little ashamed or a little humiliated. But that honestly for most people is because at the core of the relationship, they feel so loved and respected and have so much trust in communication. So, you know, oftentimes people talk about techniques and the first, you know, four books I wrote were ultimately about techniques, but techniques and positions and changing what you do and, and even role play, all of those things are fun, but without the emotional underpinnings of, well, how do I want to feel? Like when we think about our fantasies, what do you feel on those fantasies? It's not necessarily what somebody does to you. It's how they make you feel. Without the emotional component, sex becomes a little bit more robotic. And so yes, the techniques are fun. And yes, you know, changing what you do can be fun. But if you really look at, you know, even role play and fantasy, we're really looking about an emotional exchange. Because Every experience from driving to ordering a coffee to sex, of course, is an emotional one. And and so in this, in this book, we're trying to have people delve a little deeper and really consider like what are your sexual values? What's important to you? Where did you receive your sexual messages? And you use the word and you hit the nail on the head. It, it's introspection. We don't spend a lot of time considering our own sexuality. And then we're, you know, we're surprised when our partner doesn't meet our needs. But not only are they not, they not mind readers, most of us don't know what we want. And again, yes, pleasure is a part of it. Communication and connection is a part of it. But ultimately, this is really about a deeper understanding of yourself and your partner. So I like that you say that you know, like your partners aren't mind readers. But, you know, I think
0: women in general have a lot of trouble asking for what they want. I mean, we can go into a coffee shop and have no problem ordering a tall half-calf soy latte at 120 degrees and be very specific about that request, but throw us in a bedroom setting and that request, you know, being very specific and asking things, it feels awkward, I think, for some women. And, you know, some of it comes with age and wisdom and growth and some of it comes with comfort in a relationship. But, you know, how do, how do women get past that if they really are just, feel that the condition to not ask for that in the bedroom?
2: Well, first and foremost, I think outside the bedroom, we have to get used to, um, you know, letting people down and asking for what we want and being a little bit selfish because we do live by this, you know, with this kind of martyr complex that we do everything and we're responsible for everyone. And part of that is sociocultural, but part of that is is really on ourselves. Like we have in many ways put that on ourselves that things must be just so. So first, I think we need to start speaking up outside of the bedroom. And you mentioned that very particular order of the half soy, latte, low fat, all that stuff. You know, I can admit that I have trouble with that. Like, I don't want to put somebody out. out. I don't want this stranger barista behind the counter to judge me. And I have to learn to get over that. Because if I don't do it in a low pressure situation, like ordering a latte, I'm not going to be able to do it in a high pressure situation, like, or, you know, asking for what I want in bed. But then the next step, I'll say two things. One has to do with mindful touch and the other has to do with stop performing. If we read all of the articles and all of the books, it's all about how you can blow your partner's mind, take care of your partner. How about we just ask for what we want? How about we lie back and say, you know what, I'm not in the mood, but if you do this, I might get in the mood. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now, but if you try this technique, or if you speak to me this way, or if, you know, we have to ask for what we want and learn to be selfish and not apologize for it. Uh, we often refer to it as empowerment, but I don't really see it specifically as empowering. I just see it as You know, humans who are interacting and taking care of one another—it can't just be about caretaking for others. And then a more specific step revolves around mindfulness. So I do—I have a course on mindful sex and it uh, online. You you people can check it out at HappierCouples.com. But it's not even about sex. It's about learning to receive touch. Like we work our way from breath to visualization to emotional presence, and eventually we get to non-sexual touch. And the first non-sexual touch exercise involves a hand and arm caress where you have to just sit there for 5 10 15 minutes and your partner caresses you and your only job is to receive pleasure and most people don't know how to sit there without either the need to reciprocate or feeling guilt about taking or letting their mind wander which is okay your mind will wander but i mean i think the practice of practice of mindfulness more generally, as well as some of these specific exercises where you learn to receive non-sexual touch first, um, it can really help you to get in the mindset to be a taker in bed.
0: Okay. One of the things you mentioned too are sexual values. So how do we determine what our sexual values are? So is that, does that mean we won't do certain things or we, you know, how do we,
2: I guess, get familiar with that for ourselves That's a great question. I I think that part of what you're describing could be part of your sexual values. So what are my boundaries? What am I into? What am I not into? But also if we can dig a little deeper and say, okay, why is sex important to me? How much does sex matter to me? And then what are the psychological, relational, emotional, physical, practical, perhaps spiritual, Benefits that I would like to derive from sex and those are big questions, right? Like each of those is a therapy session if you want it to be and what do I hope to share or impart on my partner? In all of those realms so in in the book We've got hundreds of prompts for people's consideration And I think if you could just begin with those, you know, what do I expect to get out of sex? Why does it matter to me? Here's the thing some people don't like sex and that's okay too. Now, some people don't like sex cuz they're not having good sex. And other people just aren't into sex. Some people are asexual and that's a perfectly valid sexual orientation. And rather than, you know, pathologizing women and saying, "Oh, you have a low sex drive or something's wrong with you or let's give you testosterone or estrogen or, you know, maybe if you worked out more." I mean, sure, some of those things can be helpful to some people, but there are also people who aren't into sex and we need to be able to embrace that too. Now, one of the challenges is that you know if we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s before we start exploring these considerations many of us have already committed to monogamous relationships and not really explored you know, what does a sexual relationship look like to me? And so, you know, it can be more of a challenge if, you know, you're 40 and you realize that, hey, it's not just that I have low sex drive, I'm just not into sex. How do I have that conversation with my partner? And so I think it's most important that we sit down with ourselves first and maybe take some notes or maybe journal or, you know, do a little bit of reading to really consider what matters to us. And that's how I think you can begin exploring your sexual values. Why does sex matter to you? How much does it matter to you? And what are the different types of benefits you know, do you feel closer to your partner after? Do you, um, do you feel more relaxed? Do you just love the pleasure? Do you love letting go? Do you hate sex? And do you hate sex because it's just not your thing? Or do you hate it because your partner is not tuning into your needs or you're not communicating them? These are huge questions, right? And when we think about our intimate relationships, being what we claim to be the most important things in our life, right? If you ask anyone, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, if they have a job that they just do because they need to make money or if they're, you know, an entrepreneur who's super passionate about their work, everybody's going to tell you that their partner and their family are the most important thing to them. And if that's the case, then you need to invest in it. And you don't get to invest in it once a year or, you know, on on anniversaries because we don't do that in health, wealth, fitness, any of those things. You can't work out on, you know, once a year and say like, oh, I'm done, I'm good now. Right. You have to continuously invest. And that's what I'm trying to change, uh, especially with with all people, but especially with younger people to help them engage in all of these conversations before they commit to a relationship. Really okay. think about like, what are your values financially in terms of family, in terms of culture, in terms of religion, and of course, in terms of sex, because it all intersects. Okay. So if people want to know more
0: then, because I think this is a very valuable, you know, uh, conversation people have to have to have with themselves, obviously,
2: and with their partner. So if they want to know more, where can they find you? Uh, So you can check out the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay wherever books are sold. And I do have uh, many interviews on my podcast where even my husband and I will try some of these exercises. And it's the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast available on all platforms. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. I'd
0: love to have you back another time. It's a great conversation.
3: Anytime, thank you.
1: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region.
3: If you have missed looking through racks of clothes trying to find that perfect outfit, your wait is over. Oak Ridge Fashions at 14800 Young Street in Aurora is open. Browse through our many brands and see the colors and fabrics in person in the safety of our sanitized environment. Prefer shopping at home? We offer online shopping with free shipping of purchases over $99 at oakridgefashions.com. Worried about fit? At home or in person, we can help. However you choose to shop, Oak Ridge Fashions is here for you because feeling good about how you look is always in fashion. Proud members of the Aurora Chamber of Commerce.
4: At Highland Jam, we are automotive professionals. We adhere to strict protocols during the sales consultation and purchase process so our clients feel confident in their health and safety while making their automotive decisions. Physical distancing is a priority, but whether it be virtual sales consultation and product discovery or an in-showroom appointment, we will spend the time you need to help you make the correct choice for you. Take advantage of our no payments for 180 days or have your first lease payment waived on select models. Highland GM on Young Street in Aurora the experience you deserve a proud member of the aurora chamber of commerce
1: welcome back to what she said with candace sampson on 1059 the region
0: Dick is starting to become a bit of a regular here on what she said and today she's joining me to talk about getting your paperwork in order at home when it comes to your finances and your personal papers Um, and we kind of have a lot of time on our hands don't we Francine?
3: (laughs) Well some people do uh, that's for sure I mean some people well like you and like myself are still working Uh, But even so, we're not going out at night or on weekends for entertainment. So you're right. We do have a lot of time on our hands. And I think also with coronavirus, people are thinking a bit more about what if something happened to me?
0: Well, you know, I think the funny thing about this whole thing was this lockdown was so sudden It really shone a light on how quickly things can change in our environment, how fast things can happen. And so you're right, you know, um, if something were to happen overnight to me, I, you know, I think about what I have prepared in this house, not really a lot, you know, and so it is time to think about that stuff because if something did happen, I want my daughters to have everything at their fingertips.
3: That's right, and 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 rest assured, Candace, you're not alone. So don't feel guilty or anything about it. But uh, if you think about it, and it's not just if something happened and you had to go to the hospital, and what if you're stuck on a ventilator? Uh, you could be out bike riding and have an accident and be in a coma or uh, some sort of illness, and something happens. And do people know? Like, how are people going to take care of things? Who's going to pay your rent or your mortgage? Uh, Do people know if you have a power of attorney and where it might be? Who's your lawyer, your doctor, uh, your accountant, if it's tax season time? So having it written down so people know where these things are is so important. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So you... Uh, So
0: having it written down, so physically written down on a hard copy of paper, or online, who should have a copy? Where should it be? Let's run through sort of the beginning from the beginning of it to the end of it.
3: Well, it can be either online, uh, or on a piece of paper. Um, I actually have I have a little booklet here. And uh, you can go to my website, askfrancine.ca. It's right on the homepage. You can download it. You don't have to give me your email address or anything. Uh, And it sort of lays out everything, like where's all your bank accounts? Um, Do you deal with more than one financial institution if you have investment accounts? So, and who's your doctor, your lawyer, uh, all those pertinent, um, uh, the pertinent information that you need, and it's all there um if anyone wants a hard copy they can reach out to me i'm happy to mail them but as i said you can download it at my website uh and that guides you through it so if you you know download it and you save it certainly uh send copies out to important people so either siblings, adult children, a trusted friend. If you have a will, which I hope everyone does, um, that's another thing people are thinking about these days, is to um, maybe send a copy to your executor so that they know. But certainly it's also important, you know, my children who are adults, they know Uh, where all my information is. So I've got a drawer and I've got my will, my powers of attorney, my insurance policy, all those important papers are there and they know where it is.
0: Let's talk about insurance because I think that's something that we also probably, I know personally, I just uh, got topped up with life insurance this year. So um, I was kind of late coming to the game on that one. So... Uh Um, insurance
3: so what are we looking at here we're looking at life insurance disability Uh, yes so all kinds of of people insurance so If you think of life insurance really isn't for you, it's for the people who uh, you leave behind. And essentially what it does, it replaces lost income. It also provides funds for final expenses. So uh, I find dealing, I've actually had several calls about life insurance and I think it's just again the coronavirus, everyone's thinking, of their own vulnerability. So think about your if you do have a policy, when was the last time you reviewed it? If it was 10 years ago and you took it out because your first child was born, maybe now you've had two more kids. Uh, so maybe you need more coverage or better coverage. Uh, that's something that should be reviewed. And the other thing is disability insurance which if you're not working right now would be a little tricky to get a lot of people have disability coverage at work. Uh, but if you don't, if you're self-employed, it's important to have that because if something happens to you and you can't work, you don't die, you live, uh, how are you going to support yourself? And yes, you may be able to get, um, some EI disability, but, You know not very much and not for very long so that's important to have as well the other uh, insurance people can consider is critical illness insurance and critical illness insurance differs from disability insurance in that it pays a lump sum rather than a monthly benefit it pays you a lump sum if you're diagnosed with a serious illness uh, cancer is overwhelmingly the biggest claim, and the other biggies are heart attack and stroke, um, but a whole host of other illnesses are covered too. And a lot of times I find people who do have disability insurance at work, they like the critical illness coverage uh, as a complement to it. And again, those are things that you know either myself or any insurance broker can review for you and make sure that... Um, it's up to date. And can you be overinsured? You can be, although to be honest, Candace, I settled many death claims, and no beneficiary ever complained that they got too much money. Uh, but it's possible. It's rare uh, for me to find somebody who is overinsured. People are often really surprised, you know, I'll do a needs analysis and it says, well, you know, you you need like a million dollars of insurance, life insurance. And they're, what? (laughs) And if you think about it, especially say you've got young children and you need insurance for the next 20 years until they're sort of grown up and through university, um, what's your income over 20 years going to be? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think we
0: hear that dollar amount. It's hard to fathom that that amount, but yeah, yeah, over you know twenty years, you would probably likely earn that much.
3: Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And you know, you can get it's actually really affordable. Uh, just some inexpensive term insurance. People are pretty surprised uh there's been a lot of competition in the marketplace and this is actually a great time to look into life insurance because of coronavirus um Oftentimes with insurance, they send a nurse to your home to do uh, check your height and your weight and your blood pressure and maybe take a a blood sample. Of course, they're not doing that now. So you can get a lot of insurance um, without, you have to answer medical questions, but you don't need any medical tests done. It's
0: it's interesting that you mentioned that because when I did have my life insurance done last fall, I had a nurse come to my house and she was at my house all morning because she had to take my pulse over a certain amount of time and my blood work over a certain amount of time. And Mm -hmm. so she was here for the whole morning. So I was wondering how they'd get around that with COVID.
3: Yeah. So up to a certain amount, um, some companies are offering up to $2 million depending on your age. Uh, but certainly you can get even for older uh, people you can get you know half a million or so without having to do any medical tests and as long as you know you're healthy well you don't have to be in perfect health but as long as there's no big issues uh, yeah you can get the policy issued They're making it very easy these days
0: okay so if somebody gets in touch with you then yep. you can help them get, you know, their paperwork in order, how much insurance they need, sort of, you know,
3: it's almost like financial adulting one oh one uh yes nice way of putting it uh and it is funny you know because i i'm a financial certified financial planner as well so when i do things i look at the entire picture and people will often come to me often when they've just had a baby and it's we joke how grown up because they have a baby and now they're getting wills in place and insurance in place and education plans and and feeling very adulty but I take a look at the entire picture so where are you where do you want to be Um, so whether it is making sure you're saving you know for retirement what's your pension plan at work if you have one what are your benefits at work people I find people have no idea what they have at work you know, like what kind of insurance, how their disability plan might work, uh, even how much drug and dental coverage they have. So we take a look at that too. And I'll work with them to put together a plan in place that is of greatest benefit to them. Okay, incredible. So where can people find you then, Francine? So I have my website, which is askfrancine.ca, and that's where you can also find the um the guide the financial uh, guide uh, tracking all your things and you can also reach out to me through there uh, my phone number is 647-897-6471 and so people can call or text me and yeah i always uh, happy to have a chat with you complimentary and just uh see if I can be of any assistance to get you on the right financial track. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Francine. It's always a pleasure. Well, and it's always a pleasure to be here. And I hope you're staying safe and sane. And I hope everyone's staying safe and sane. And getting outside for a little bit is uh, so beneficial to it your is. mental it and is. physical health. Yeah. Thank you so much, Francine. My pleasure, Candace.
2: All
1: With Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region.
0: Has self-isolating given you a new appreciation for your pet? Have they been your constant companion and uncritical roommate while you stay at home? Show your gratitude and have some fun with something new for your pet from Sparkle & Barkle. Go online at sparkleandbarkle.ca to see our many designers and accessories. Celebrate the fashionista in your dog or your own style sense at sparkleandbarkle.ca. Enter promo code 1059 the region and save 20%.
1: Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
0: And in the
5: bad times I fear myself.
0: Here comes the sun, and quarantined Canadians are heading outdoors in record numbers to soak up all they can. Joining me now is Dr. Julia Carroll, a board-certified dermatologist known for her designer approach to beauty. She is the best-kept secret for many Canadians who love her personalized, natural results. Dr. Carroll travels worldwide, both lecturing and learning, to bring the latest results-oriented treatments to her patients. Apart from her busy dermatology practice, she also holds a teaching position at the University of Toronto. Welcome to the show, Dr. Carol. Hello. Well, that was clearly written
4: pre-COVID when I used oh, to travel the
0: world. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but none of it, nobody's traveling right now. Um, so you're seeing all these people heading out in the sun, and what's your number
4: one piece of advice? Wear sunscreen. It's the easiest way to prevent sunburns and the easiest way to prevent cancer.
0: You know, we were talking a little bit before this segment, and I said to you, there's, there's science is sort of coming out saying that. Vitamin D is good for you in fighting COVID, Uh, you know, to get outside and get a little bit of it. How do we reconcile those two sort of messages right now and keeping our skin safe and our health strong?
4: Well, that's a really good question because I think we get a lot of conflicting information from the news and from certain presidential uh, <laughs> you know, leaders. Um, but you know, what I always tell patients, whether it's vitamin D for COVID or vitamin D for bone health or other conditions, is if vitamin D is really important to you and you want to make sure you get enough that's going to help you, then you need to take it in a pill supplement. I take a gummy of vitamin D every day because I would like to get vitamin D, but I'm not prepared to give up um, skin health for that vitamin D. So that's what I suggest.
0: Well, I was about, I have to tell you, I was about two weeks into this pandemic and I was diagnosed with a little precancerous spot mm-hmm. on my nose and I had to do a topical chemotherapy. Left a nice little, you know, hole in the side of my nose there
4: and scab. I had to do videos with it for a few weeks. So I do not want to go back to that. I think that people too, they, they, they use this, I'm getting my vitamin D as an excuse to get sun because it sort of... But people can't argue with it. But uh, for me, it's an excuse.
0: So what would you say people who say sunscreen isn't safe, the products that are the chemicals or the things that are in sunscreens are not safe?
4: Well, I think we have lots of evidence that the products that are in sunscreens are safe. There's two categories, there's um, physical blockers, and there's chemical blockers. And a lot of the evidence gets really mixed up in some fear mongering click kind of stuff that's out there. If you actually delve into it and you can read the papers um, the safety is there the ones that aren't safe they get pulled off the market um, and that hasn't happened for a long time but the other thing is so if you don't like the chemical sunscreens then you can use physical blockers which are titanium and zinc and if you really don't want to use a sunscreen that's just one of three things you can do you can also protect yourself with hats and sun protective clothing and you just stay out of the sun during the peak hours so uh, you know for me it's about getting protection from the sun any way you can.
0: What if, what, let's say there is sun damage, what can we do to reverse the effects of that?
4: So there's a number of things you can do. Skincare is really important. So, you know, wearing sunscreen daily so that you're not getting further damage. Um, products with antioxidants like L-ascorbic acid, which is a type of vitamin C, is helpful for reducing some of that sun damage. But if you really want to see, you know, eat like quick results, uh, lasers are fantastic. So they get rid of brown spots, red spots, they can resurface some of the fine lines. Uh, so in my practice, we do a lot of laser. And is there a
0: lot of downtime involved with laser, like where your skin is inflamed or sore?
4: It really depends. Some of the lasers are uh, no downtime lasers, we call them lunchtime procedures. And so those ones you tend to do that, you need a number of procedures you know, repeatedly to get results. And some of my patients, that's what they want. Other people say, you know what, I'm busy. I just want to like hit me hard. I'm going to take the next week off and I don't want to see you again for a year. And we have those as well. So it's a combination. We can tailor it.
0: When it comes to our children, uh, you say Mm -hmm. that we need to be a model for them. Uh, So what does that look like?
4: So I think that it just as as you would wear a helmet when you're riding a bike and if you would put your seatbelt on when you get in the car, I think our kids need to see us wearing sunscreen and making it part of our daily habit. Um, so that they just see that as a normal thing you do before you go outside to ride your bike or to go to the beach. Um, and then I always get the kids involved. Like I use, uh, I have a 10 year old daughter and I use uh, stick sunscreens. I let her do her face and I'll go back and touch it up. But she likes to feel, she doesn't want to be attacked with the sunscreen. She wants to feel that, you know, she's part of the process and she has autonomy. So I don't want
0: to put you on the spot here, but I'm curious, do you have any sort of favorite products that you return to again and again?
4: Yeah. I, so we have a few sensitivities and allergies in my family. So uh, the, the brands that we tend to use, I like ones that are quick and easy to get at drugstore. So for the family, I use a lot of La Roche-Posay, Antelios, uh and I like Neutrogena. Um, when I'm being a little bit more fancier for my face, I use a Lumiere MD sunscreens. There's some Vivier products that I like. And then SkinCeuticals also has a really nice um, variety of sunscreens. So I mean, uh- I'm I was just
0: going to say, I have a skin SkinCeuticals one for my face right now that I'm loving because it actually has like a foundation in it as well. It's
4: tinted. Yeah. 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 Because I don't have time for all these things. So I like to, anything I can do that's two in one, I'm in. Exactly.
0: So it's great.
4: So if people want to get in touch with
0: you, uh, how can they do that best?
4: Oh, so uh, they can follow me on Instagram, which is at Dr. Julia Carroll. We do lots of fun videos, and uh, it's very informative and interactive. And then my office is compassdermatology.ca. And where are you located? We're in Midtown Toronto, so Mount Pleasant, just south of Eglinton.
3: Okay,
0: wonderful. Thank you yes. so much for joining me today.
4: It was my pleasure. We're far from the shallow night.
1: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region.
0: Joining me this week is Ann Brody, who has the latest in entertainment. And Anne, dear, looks so good. Oh, you saw the trailer on YouTube. I did. Yes. Well,
5: it's coming up soon. It's under embargo at the moment, but um, it has Oprah Winfrey, Big Bird, Gloria Steinem, um, Spike Lee, Lin-Manuel Miranda, receiving letters from fans, from people who've been inspired by them. So I imagine it's going to be tight. So, you know, make room to see
0: it. It's on Apple TV Plus next week. Well, just what little I saw on the trailer just looks super emotional. Uh, so, I think it 's going to be excellent, so uh, looking forward to that one. What else do you have for us? Um,
5: high note it 's tremendous. What a shocker you know this sort of standard uh, rip off um, star is born kind of that's, this is what I was expecting tracy ross Ellis, Diane ross 's daughter who 's also in blackish. she stars as a singer, and uh, Dakota Johnson plays her personal assistant. Um, I thought it was going to be. Uh, You know, kind of trashy commercial. It's so good. It is so good. Uh, The singer's manager, played by Ice Cube, wants her to do a best-of album, like another best-of, which is just commercial because he wants money. And uh, Dakota's character inspires her to move in new directions, artistically and personally. So we watch this whole scenario play out. And this girl can sing just like her mother. Really good. Oh, I
0: loved it. Just loved it. The high note. Okay, Um, excellent. And where is that on again? On VOD. Another one coming out is The Vast of Night. I got to tell you, this one gave me chills. It is so good. Oh, it's one of the best I've
5: seen lately. It's about a couple of teenagers living in um, rural desert, uh, New Mexico in the 50s. One runs a radio station. He's a DJ. The girl is in a building across the way working a switchboard. So they hear weird frequencies um, and they begin to investigate and they begin to, to suspect that there are you know, intergalactic transmissions coming through. So you follow them over the course of the night. The way it's shot, the way it's written and acted, honestly, it is such superior work. And it reminds me of um, some of Francis Ford Coppola's stuff. So this is a first time filmmaker, Andrew Patterson. And just be sure to see it. The Vast of Night on Amazon Prime Video. It's wonderful.
0: Okay, excellent. And then there's another one on VOD, uh, A White White Day. This one also, I watched the trailer and ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this one. It looks really, really creepy. It's kind of creepy, yeah. But it, it's very definitely got that Nordic Noir
5: thing going on. And it's just over the course of a couple of, well, no. The action is over the course of a couple of days. It opens with this spectacular montage of this farm in the mountains in um, Iceland and the changing of the seasons. And it's a horse farm. The horses are wandering in and out. And that's another thing. The horses keep coming into the house. It's quite unusual to see. It's not planned. Um, It just happens. But it's about a grandfather who's uh, on some time off. We don't really figure out why he's on time off from the police force, but he is. And he gets into this funk and he begins to believe all kinds of strange things. And he has the care of his granddaughter who loves him to pieces. But, you know, some bad stuff happens and things ramp up a bit. A white, white day is pretty darn good. It's beguiling, you know, kind of moody. And as you say, just a teeny weeny bit
0: creepy and so realistic. That's what makes it creepy. <laughs> okay. So from a white, white day to White House Farm, which yes. based on true true murder. True
5: story that happened in Chelmsford, England. And uh, when the uh, Bamber family of um, five people was murdered. And they found the girl who'd had some mental problems, the daughter, they found her with the gun dead, with the gun in her hand. So they figured it was her. Um, but the young boy was missing at the time. So, you know, we followed them along in this eerie, windy trip. It's a psychological study of all these different characters, flash forward, flashback. Um, really good and if this is a true story it just that gives you chills too but whenever
0: I see this kind of thing it always makes me want to like you know I don't recall ever hearing this story so now I want to go back I want to read about the story right watch the movie um (laughs) to see how it lines up exactly what I did when I finished watching it (laughs) okay so I'm not alone then no you're
5: not and I think it's good and and sometimes in educational stuff it really is helpful you know and it, it increases your knowledge but you know murder's pretty interesting
0: right okay uh so a couple minutes left we've what else what can we not miss um i would say that the uh 27th is
5: it um jewish film fest toronto jewish film festival is going digital of course this year and they've got a spectacular lineup of films uh, there's information on my blog <laughs> on the website and uh, it's always good. It's always tremendous and future great hits come out of it. So I would recommend the Toronto TJFF 2020.
0: Okay. Excellent. They are, they run this every year. And of course, in light of COVID uh, they've taken it online. So they've completely adapted, which is fantastic. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's a good festival.
0: We'll have a link up on what she said, talk.com, right?
5: We certainly
0: will. On all of this week's all the shows we've talked about as and well and some we'll more that talk. we
5: missed. So good.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Ann. Thanks, Candace.
1: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region.
5: Going stir crazy and ready for a drive? Want to change from your own cooking? Fromage in Orangeville is there for you. Order online or by phone for a touchless transaction. Complete meals, honey, jams, and other grocery items, plus a wide variety of cheeses. Go to fromageorangeville.ca to check out our menu, or call 519-307-7070. That's 519-307-7070 for fresh and delicious food, fromage in Orangeville.
1: Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
0: I don't know a single person who's not growing a garden of some sort this summer, be it a small window box full of herbs or a much larger plot with grand plans of feeding the neighborhood. Seems like this pandemic has got us all feeling the draw to Mother Earth. Joining me now is Shenny Creamer, founder and president of One Green Square Wellness Consulting. She is also a horticultural therapy specialist, organizational Wellness consultant, heart math certified coach, and a cannabis educator and sommelier. Her focus is on providing therapeutic nature based experience experiences to help individuals, organizations, and communities build resilience to stress and adapt to change. That sounds exactly like what we need, Shani.
6: It is very much exactly what we need right now. It, uh, it used to be the kind of thing where I had to explain a lot about what I did and people didn't really understand. And now today, it's a lot easier to explain and a lot more people are saying, Okay, tell me again what you do. I think there's something I need to know about that.
0: Yeah, there's something to that, right? Uh, you know, my, my partner is a naturopath and he, he would, you know, prescribe to people, go stand in the grass with bare feet. Yep. <laughs> so there is that connection to earth that we, we all need right now. Um, are you noticing a big uptick in people coming to you?
6: Yes, absolutely. So we have had, there's all kinds of people really coming out of the woodwork, uh, emerging out of the soil, so to speak, Um, that really, I think, in many ways, we all knew that being in nature was therapeutic. You know, we all have grannies who said, you know, get outside, you know, get some fresh air. And we've always known that. And yet, I think now that we've all been put kind of in a little bit of a pressure situation, we're all just noticing that it is an automatic draw for us. And it is something that just automatically relieves that stress and tension. And it allows us even to have conversations in different ways when we're walking outside versus when we're sitting, you know, maybe even in an office or a boardroom or in a family room. And so, it's something that lots of people have naturally gravitated towards. And I'm now getting lots more questions and lots more uh, interest in what am I doing? And how do we get the best out of these nature experiences that we're having? Excellent. I love that. So what are the differences between horticultural therapy and therapeutic horticulture? So really good question. We get asked about this quite a lot because lots of people have now heard and are getting more and more familiar with the research that talks about nature having therapeutic benefits so you know there's all kinds of research that shows as you said getting your feet in the grass getting your hands in the soil walking in forests walking in fresh air we know that there are actual measurable uh, medical and psychological benefits from doing these things so Anytime we're engaging with nature for that therapeutic intent and being mindful about it and paying attention to ourselves and nature, then we're going to be getting therapeutic benefits. And so in many ways, whether we have a guide or we're on our own, that's what therapeutic horticulture is, is when we're just engaging in horticulture or nature activities and we're getting some therapeutic benefits from it. Horticultural therapy is a little bit different in that it's actually the therapeutic practice that uses plants, gardens, hands-on techniques with plants and nature to actually have specific therapeutic benefits. So when you're talking about horticultural therapy, you then have an actual professional trained therapist or guide with you to actually help you meet specific objectives uh, based on perhaps you've had an injury or an illness or perhaps it's stress that you're trying to work with or communication issues, whatever it is, you then have an actual therapist walking you through particular activities. Okay. So in many ways, it's often people will will talk about doing things like meditation or yoga, which obviously we all can do on our own and are encouraged to do on our own. And sometimes it also really helps to have a guide to walk you through particular situations Or particular uh, mindsets that you may need to shift and so it's just about having a guide so both are really necessary Uh, I encourage people to do as much of both as you can well you know
0: as you're saying that it it, this does not seem unrealistic to me I mean I think there are a vast number of people out there who are completely disconnected from nature and I probably have not had that experience in a while and just like when you're getting used to yoga um, guides are super helpful
6: absolutely and it really is one of those things that often oftentimes even just having the little reminders of your horticultural therapist or your guide to help you because often what happens we know that we maybe need to go for a walk or we need to go out into our garden and yet if we go out into our garden and we just stay on the exact same rumination loop that we've been on for the past half hour and we just continue with the same stressful thoughts and the same stressful pattern then we're not really engaging in this, in the best quality of therapy that we can. Now we'll still be getting some therapeutic benefits just from being outside and having fresh air and having some of the phytochemicals around us. But if we actually can have some of that guidance to stop, shift your mindset, do something else and have a particular activity that then engages you, then you're not just going for a walk or going to gardening but you've actually slowed down enough that you can observe different things, either about your garden or about yourself or just the situation around you, that you're then a little bit more grounded and stable instead of just going through the same motions even though you're going through them outside. Okay, so
0: let's talk about, because you know, this show airs in Toronto, so not everybody has these huge plots of land uh, you know, or big forests around them. So how can we get benefits from gardening in small spaces?
6: so really important to know so oftentimes not only do we not need a giant garden or a big forest we might not even need to go outside and so a lot of us right now some people may be isolated some people may not be able to go outside because of certain conditions that they either have or 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 have, um, someone outside may have and so even if we are inside We can use things like our indoor plants. We can put simple things like, you know, some some seeds to sprout in a tiny cup and put it on a windowsill. We can learn from those little seeds as they sprout. Even things as simple as having some nature around you in your home. So bringing in things like, you know, lavender flowers that have particular relaxing scents to them that you can, you know, scrunch in your hands and, you know, give a sniff to whenever you want. Even things like using the view. So even if you just have a window and you happen to be inside, remembering to look outside and look up. What I often say is look up, look around and look often. So we spend a lot of our time with our, you know, our face half down, our eyes half lowered and we're either looking at a screen or we're looking at a book or that kind of thing which in many ways signals our brain to go sleepy. Mm. And so in many ways, we can have a little dose of our nature therapy just by actually looking out our window, looking around at all the different green and all the different shades of green that are out there. Even if our window just looks out onto another building, well, look up between the buildings. You may see some sky. And so anything where you are actually just taking your attention And shifting it to nature, then you're going to have some of those therapeutic benefits. So even just that small shift of attention can help. Okay. So you say even just, you know, having, um,
0: even just using a small amount of of what we grow for our food or medicine
6: um, can add immense value to our life. Yeah, so even if we're just so, even as I said, you know, like a little cup with some sprouts in it or some little sunflower seeds that we put in a cup and we put it on our windowsill or chives, something that's really easy to grow. First of all, even just the anticipation of going and looking at that every morning and seeing how much they grew that's something that gives us a sense of hope. It gives us something to look forward to. It gives us something outside of ourselves to pay attention to. And it also gets us into that caregiving mode. And so it allows us to to care for another little creature that really it doesn't have the same consequences if we forget to water it as it does our pet, that kind of thing, or a child. It's fairly consequence-free if your chive seeds don't survive. Well, that's okay. There are lessons in that too. And so even noticing things like, well, I forgot to water my little chive seeds for a couple days and oh, they didn't make it well what are the lessons in that for myself? oh well i have to pay more attention to myself each day that each day that i don't get watered i might be getting a little less resilient and so even if the chive seeds don't make it that's okay start some new ones and so just having those little those little cups of seeds or a little tiny windowsill tray or you know a little box of lettuce just having that to to look forward to is a really big piece of it. Then when you get to the part where you can actually consume some of it and even nibble some of your little chives or some of the little sprouts that are coming out, what you really also start to notice is that things taste better when they're fresher. And whether that's just in our mind or not, it's something that that connection of knowing how long it took to grow just that one little you know thing of lettuce that that you made just a tiny little salad out of it's like well that took an awfully long time and so we start to understand not just more about ourselves and about caregiving of plants, but we learn more about what does the earth need and how long does it take to grow some of these things? And so often, you know, we might buy some lettuce at the store and yeah, half of it goes bad and we don't really think much of it and we toss it in our compost and we go, oh good, well, at least it's, you know, giving us good compost but we don't realize how long it actually took to grow that whole head of lettuce Exactly. and and who, you know, who had to pick it and carry it. And, you know, and so all of those things that go along with it, the labor that gets put into all of our little food items, all of a sudden we start to have a much greater appreciation for something like, you know, a tiny tomato seed that took all season to grow and to finally produce tomatoes. Right. Well, that's a whole different thing than just showing up at the store, grabbing your little pint of tomatoes and going home.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shenny. So if people want to connect with you,
6: where can they find you uh, on the web and on social? Absolutely. So One Green Square is where you can find me. OneGreenSquare.ca is my website, Uh, One Green Square Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. And so you can also find me through the Canadian Horticultural Therapy Association. I'm the chair there. So I'm pretty easy to find.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. I'll share pictures of my lettuce all summer. Excellent. Thank you so much, Candice. That's it for What She Said for this week. Be sure to follow me on What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended interviews and complete shows. I'll be back next week with more What She Said. You need to calm down.